0: This morning we're going to be in Jonah chapter 2. We're going to continue our study through this book. I want to pick up a little bit. Well, first of all, um, Justin, our pastor, is um, out of town this week. My name is Judson Bluster. Um Just think about me. You remember when Justin had all them pictures up there? You know, like, here was here I was big and now here I am small. You know, just rubbing in everyone's faces a few weeks ago. Well... <laughs> Just imagine the big Justin on that side and you got me, okay? So just imagine that as you're thinking throughout the day, who is this guy, what is he doing? You know, just imagine, imagine me as the before picture of Justin before he lost, you know, I don't know how much weight he lost, 10 pounds or whatever, I don't know. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, how can we get a guy that good looking and lose 10 pounds and he's like, oh, I'm a movie star. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Love you, Justin. That was a pic to you. I know you're watching online this morning. Anyways, Jonah chapter 2. We're going to look at the events that led up to where we are today. See, in Jonah chapter 1, we see a beautiful picture of God's pursuit to sinners to show mercy. Jonah was on a boat. And he was heading away from God when God showed up. Isn't that usually when God shows up when we're running away from Him? Usually when things are going in life that we don't want. God's trying to do things in our life and we don't want to do it and we run away from Him. That's when God shows up. Well, Jonah, God showed up here. God caused a storm so violent that the seasoned sailors who have sailed this course many times and have navigated other storms knew that this storm wasn't natural, that it was supernatural. So they called upon their gods, and Jonah, who was asleep, was awoken by the captain, asked Jonah to call upon his. They, these guys knew something had to be happening because normally this type of storm wouldn't happen with them. They have sailed this place many a times back and forth to Tarshish. And they're like, man, this storm is something powerful. Some type of God has to be behind it. And, and they didn't know it was a true God that was behind it. So they cast lots and all signs pointed to Jonah. So quickly they were trying to find out who he was because God, that he told him that he was running from the Lord, his God. Jonah's idea. This was a, to Jonah at the time. This was a great idea. He said, "This is what you can do. You can pick me up, and you can throw me overboard, and the storm will stop." Jonah figured that in death, God could not use him for his mission, and that the sailors reluctantly complied. I've been in law enforcement too long using words complied. And threw him overboard, and then they repented for falling false idols and offered sacrifices to the Lord. That's where we pick up here today in Jonah 2. All this stuff had to happen with Jonah. God has ordered Jonah to go somewhere. Jonah says, no, I'm going to go as far as I possibly can away from you, God. God, I'm going to go somewhere where God, you can't even, so far away from the end of the that you're going to have to use somebody else. God said, no. I'm not going to use somebody else. I'm going to use you. And this is how I'm going to do it. We'll pick up in Jonah 2. If you would stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Jonah chapter 2. Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help from the deep inside Sheol, and you heard my voice. You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me. All your breakers and all your billows swept over me. And then I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to my neck. The water depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank into the foundations of the mountains. The Lord's gates, the earth's gates shut behind me forever. Then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. My life was fading away. I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up on dry land. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. God, thank you for the blessings you give us, God. Just let us see, Lord, that no matter how far we run from you, God, God, you're there. And God, you're going to bring us back to you. And God, just as Jonah thought that all this, that salvation brought was from him, him to give, God, we know that salvation belongs to you and you alone. Lord, let us take hold of that today, Lord, and let us be strengthened and encouraged by those words today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. First thing we're going to see if you're taking notes is Jonah's depravity. Verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read them again. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help from deep inside Sheol, and you heard my voice. See, a father knows the cries of his children. You know, the best title I've ever been given in life is that of dad. You know, I've been called a lot of names in my life, okay? And let's just go ahead and throw that out there. But dad is my favorite, okay? So one thing I love about being a dad is, you know, when you come home from work and it's been a long day and you're dealing with all the stresses of work, you know, you got to drop that off at the door because the kids are ready for world rumble as soon as you walk in, okay? I mean, it's time for power bombs, it's time for drop kicks, it's time for elbow drops off the couch. I mean, man, we're, we're getting after it when I get home. And they're wanting to play, wanting to color, like Henry's wanting to tell me what he learned at school today or how much trouble he got into school today. Um, because if you know Henry, if you've kept nursery at any time, you understand that, yes, he can be trouble. Um, and it's fun, though, to deal, deal with these certain things. But um, one thing I've picked up on as a parent is that your children have different cries, Right? There are cries from pain, cries from being sad. And if you've been a parent for any long, you've picked up on them fake cries. Okay? If you've been a parent for any amount of time, you understand what a fake cry is. Ben, my little Ben, one half of the dynamic duo twins I have, um, Ben will fake cry on you in a heartbeat. You tell him that man walks out into the other room. You know, you tell him that he can't do something or you say, hey, like this morning, he was so mad at me. Because I wouldn't let him wear shorts today. I'm like, dude, it's 60 degrees, you can't wear shorts. But daddy, I'm allergic to pants, is what he tells me. (laughs) Four years old, allergic to pants. I mean, hey, I understand, dude, I get it. But look, you got to wear pants today. I'm allergic, no, Uh, He starts that fake crying and runs out. And as he's running, he goes, I'm going to tell mommy. I'm like, okay, go ahead, tell on me, that's fine, snitch. So... Snitches get snitches in this house, boy. Don't be doing that to me, okay? You remember that when I am at WrestleMania, and I'll have to choke you out next time. But (laughs) you pick up on those fake cries. It breaks my heart as a dad to see my kids cry when they're hurting. And please, don't get me started on when they were babies and you had to take them to get shots. Wasn't that the worst thing? Oh, my gosh, those chunky legs of my boys, because they got their daddy's legs. It's Okay. I mean, just chunky little baby legs, and I get these shots, and oh, man, they're crying. It just, oh, tears at your heart, you know. But just as I, their earthly father, can recognize their cries, how much more can our heavenly father recognize the cries of his children? In verse 2, we see Jonah has cried out to the Lord. And the Lord heard him. You know, this scene that we're getting here in Jonah chapter 2 when he's describing, it's not like the scene that we've heard from VBS back in the day. You know, it's not like a cartoon. It's not like Jonah's Bugs Bunny and they're like, hey, we're going to throw you overboard. And he's like, okay. And the swan dives right off the ocean, out into the ocean, into the fish's mouth. And then he's just sitting there like a, on a three-day vacation in this giant fish. like, hashtag well life, this is great. You know, he's not doing that. Yes, I hashtagged it. Sorry, everybody. Hashtag life. This is great. You know, this ain't a vacation for him. What he is describing here is exactly what would happen if if I was thrown off a boat. Okay? He was sinking. All right? I can't swim. Jonah can't swim. Sinking. Got it. Cool. So in verses 2 through 7, I want to read those and just think about this. This man here, when he's thrown off the boat, God didn't immediately send that fish to get him. What Jonah is describing right here in 2 through 7 is that he is actually drowning, that he is going to the bottom of the ocean, that he is sinking. And he is crying out to God for help. God, help me. God, I'm sinking in this water. God, help me. Let's see. See right here in verses 2 through 7. I called the Lord in my distress and he answered me. I cried out for help from the deep inside Sheol and you heard my voice. You threw me into the depths, into the hearts of the seas, and the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me, and I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth's gates shut behind me forever. Then you raised my life from the pit, O Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you in your holy temple. See, Jonah was describing drowning in water. The waters of the Mediterranean Sea were closing over him as he sunk down further into the ocean floor. Jonah described sinking to the roots of the mountains as he was driven away from God's sight. We are just like Jonah. <clears throat> Although Jonah was physically drowning by water, we have been physically drowned. We have been spiritually drowned by our sin. We have been cut off from God because of our sin. In Isaiah 59-2, it says, For your sins have you cut off from God. Ephesians 2-1 says this, it says, for you are dead in your sins and trespasses. So we are spiritually dead in our sins. Just like Jonah, how the sea was surrounding him, how he could not escape it. He was stuck, guys. He was sinking. He was drowning. And as we are stuck, we, are, we have drowned in our sins that has encased around us. You know, we are spiritually dead and dead men don't speak. You know, if I was sitting here today, and I was sitting here in the middle of talking to y'all, and next thing you know, I started feeling kind of, ugh, ah, ugh right here in the chest. And then, like old um, Fred Sanford, man, I grabbed it, said, Elizabeth, this is the big one, I'm coming, this is it. And I fell out right here in the floor. And then y'all were like, oh no, what are we going to do, we're going to call a paramedic? Get the ambulance down here. They're going to come down here. They're going to assess me. They're going to take my vitals. They're going to see, okay, what's wrong with this guy? Excuse me, sir, would you like CPR? You think they would do that? How good of a paramedic do you think it would be if I was laying here in Florida and said, excuse me, sir, would you like CPR? And started like poking me with a stick. He's not answering. He's not good. You know, that wouldn't be a very good paramedic, would it? Asking my permission to give me CPR when I'm laying there unconscious, dead. You know... That's how it works with God. God's not going to sit there and say, hey, look, you know, maybe he needs CPR. No, they're going to get right in here and they're going to do it because I'm spiritually dead. God's going to sit there and bring me back to life out of my death. I have sinned against God. I have been separated from him. I'm blind. I'm dead to my sins. There's nothing I can do that will ever get me back to where I need to be to God. The Bible says that my righteousness is as filthy rags and that there's no amount of good deeds, no amount of church attendance, no amount of money I can give, no amount of how nice I am to people, no amount of how how many times you pray, no matter how many times you read your Bible. That kind of stuff doesn't add up. And it's never going to add up. And yet we try to fill this void in our lives with different things like relationships, our money, our time. We try to say, God, look, I can do this stuff without you. And that's not going to cut it. What we have done, we cannot fix our relationship with God. No matter how good we try to be, we cannot do it. I cannot do it. If it was left up to me, I would mess it up every time. I wouldn't choose God. I would choose the desires of my flesh. And that's what has happened with us. We are born sinners, and when that sin is entered in our life, we inherited sin from Adam. We're all born sinners, we're all sinners, and we all fall short of the glory of God. And if we have sin in our life, we're separated from a holy God. So what can we do to get back to God? If we're trying it on our own, we're not going to make it. We're trying it on our own, we're not going to fix the problem. The only thing that's going to fix the problem in your life is trusting and surrendering to Christ. That's the only thing that's going to fix it. We can try to fix it with all this other stuff, just as Jonah did. I'm going to try to fix this problem by running from God. And you saw how good that worked for him. God sent a fish to him when he was about dead. What's God going to have to send things in your life to fix you? What's God going to have to send things in my life to fix me? Because God is radically pursuing you in mercy and grace is what he's doing. And yet we choose the things of this world like it holds any weight to us. And the only thing that has anything that will last is Jesus. Jesus is how you get past this. Jesus is what you fill your life with. Jesus is the one who will save you from your sins if if you'll follow him and repent. What's happened is, the word repentance means to turn. That means we're turning away from sin that's in our life, and we are following God. And what happens is, during this repenting phase, like Jonah, we'll see later, he just kind of says, okay, God, I kind of repent right here. God, I'm sorry for a few things that I did, but God, you know, I'm sorry. And then once he thinks he's in the clear, once we think the things have gotten better, we'll just turn back and go this way. And that's not true repentance. What it means to repent is to turn. And what it means is not that we have turned this one time in our life. But that we are continuously repenting today. We're, it's a process. We are continuously repenting to be more like Christ each and every day. Are we perfect? No. I'm not perfect. My wife thinks I am, but I'm not. Okay? Okay? <laughs> about to get struck dead right here in front of everybody. God's like, I got you, big boy. So, you know, we're not perfect. I am not a perfect person. Only reason that I have a chance, any chance whatsoever of making it to heaven is through what Jesus did on the cross. It's why Jesus saying, hey, look, this man is a sinner. He is trusted in me. The day I stand before God, he says, this man is trusted in me, yet, God, he's with me. Jesus is going to say, this man is with me. If I went to the White House today and said, hey, I know Donald Trump, guess what? They're not going to let me in. They're not. They're going to think I'm another one of those crazy people and they're going to take me away. What's going to happen is Donald Trump's going to say, hey, I know this guy. Let him in to the White House. That's how it is with Jesus. I can't just go up to heaven and be like, Jesus, I did all these things in your name. God, I cast out demons. God, I prophesied it in your name. That's what it says in Matthew 7. That I did all these things. And Jesus is going to look at me and say, I'm sorry, you didn't trust in me. Get away from me. And that's what's going to happen to so many people who have the heart of Jonah. So many people who have that that lukewarm faith so many people who are saying god i'm running from you god I, I believe i'm saved god i said a prayer when i was a kid and god i'm i'm just continuous on living my life for this world and god i'm not surrendering to you that's what a lot of people had not done they thought they have they have had christ by some things that they've done but they have no surrendering in their life jonah was not fully surrendered in his life and god took a fish to get him And did Jonah still fully surrender? No. He didn't. We're going to look down here. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. Like I said, we got a problem. That we are dead in our sins and trespasses. We have died for those. In Ephesians 2... 4 and 5 says this. Well, I'm going to read you Ephesians 2, 1 real quick. And you were dead in your trespasses and your sin. Ephesians 4 and 5. But God, who is rich in his mercy because of his great love he had for us, made us alive of Christ. Even though you were dead in your trespasses, you were saved by grace. That is good news. That is good news. That is the good news of the gospel. That you are dead in your sins and your transgressions. That you have dishonored and you have disobeyed a holy God. But God. Hear that. But God. The work God did. Saved you through his grace. While we were still sinners. While we were still trespassing. While we were still dead in our sin. God is the one who brought us back to life. That's good news that we should be sharing with people. That's the good news that God wanted Jonah to share to people, but Jonah decided to go the other way. I don't want to share this with these people, God. The people in Nineveh wasn't a great people. They were very violent. They were very uh, they were paganistic and stuff, and Jonah didn't like them. He said, God, I don't want to share Christ, I don't want to share your message with these people, God. I want to share who I want to share it with. Is that what being a true Christian is about? Just sharing whoever we think we should share with. When we feel comfortable enough sharing with somebody, we'll share with them. You know... No, I'm not getting into that. You know, we don't know the day or the hour for people. There's a man I talked to this week. I talked to him in the morning, and by the afternoon he was dead. You know, and I, I never got the chance to, speak, to talk to him about his salvation. He was there in my office about 9 o'clock in the morning. And later that evening, he was dead. Life is a vapor, guys. Life happens fast. If you would would look at a movie, let's take our life in the span of the history from the beginning of time to the end of time. We're just a blip in existence. If it was like a three-hour movie, say Titanic, my favorite movie of all time. (laughs) I recognize Jack so much. Me and him, we're like this. I look in the mirror and that's all I see all the time. (laughs) I look just like him, flowing hair, just good looks and all that stuff. You know, <clears throat> but in that three-hour-and-something movie, if they were to the pan, like, remember in that part when they come down in the ballroom and he's, like, looking up at her? She's, like, coming down the thing, like, oh, I love you. He's, like, I love you, too. You know, when she's coming down there and you see all these people, this sea of people through there, if you were just to pan in the camera, we would be, like, an extra in the side. And that's as much as our life means in the timeline beginning to the end. But while we're here, while we're here, we're called to make a difference. While we are here, we are called to glorify Christ. While we are here, we are called to make disciples of other people and other nations. That's what we're called to do as Christians. Don't be like Jonah and run away from God. Don't be like Jonah with a rebel heart and say, These people don't deserve the gospel, God. That is mine to give don't be like that. <clears throat> Last thing we're going to see, well, next thing we're going to see is that <clears throat> repenting from sin and trusting in God is the only way we can be raised life spiritually. Next thing we're going to see is Jonah's declaration. <clears throat> Verses eight and nine. Those who cherish worthless idols. Abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I've been vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Inside the fish, Jonah makes a vow to God. Those who sacrifice do so as an atonement to their sins. Jonah is saying with a voice, that word voice there means thunderous, means very loud, with the voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. Jonah is saying that he's not worshipping false idols. But he's worshipping God alone. Jonah realizes that it was the Lord from whom he was running from and was the one that saved him. No wooden idols or stone figurines could do what God had done. You know, I think about this story. I think about Jonah, and, and I just think about how, what a story he could tell people with this. If he used this story to glorify God, he could go to any the of them about, look guys, I decided not to follow to do what God said, and so God took a big old fish and swallowed me up and brought me over here when I was drowning. You know, when I was trying to think about, I was trying to wrap my mind around that fish. You know, we've heard in Vacation Bible School, oh, it's a whale, you know. And and so I got to looking at it, and it's like, no, it's not really a whale. Um, The word there is like fish. I'm trying to think, where is the big fish that big that could swallow a man whole? You know, and then I got to thinking. You know, there's one thing I've always wanted to do in life. I don't know if you're with me or not on this. Some of you may have done it already. I don't know. But if you have, please take me with you. I've always wanted to go noodling, okay? I don't know what it is about noodling. If you don't know what noodling is, this is a great... Here's your educational moment. <clears throat> noodling is, is when you go down to the backwater somewhere, you meet a guy named Bubba, okay? Bubba's hanging out by the boat. You go, hey Bubba, can you take me noodling? He says, hide to Pine nine Day," Like the guy on the, <clears throat> guy on the water boy. Hide to pine nine day.." you like, okay man, sure. Are you going to take me noodling down here? That's great. So. You get in there and he gets you in this boat. You're like going out there, these backwater areas and stuff. You're like having to fight alligators off, I feel like. This is me. I've never been noodling, okay? I'm just picturing it in my mind of what it's like. So we get out there and apparently what you're supposed to do, okay, is you take your foot, all right? Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You take your foot, you feel for holes in, over there, okay? You feel a hole, you find a hole, okay? That's the first bad idea for me to do like, hey, I found a hole. And i I just sink down to the bottom, I'm done. So you find this hole, and then you can either take your arm, okay, hear me out now, or a piece of pipe with a treble hook, I agree, I think, which would probably be a lot safer, okay? But me, I want the full experience, man. I want my arm in there, okay? So you're supposed to wear gloves, apparently, but gloves, no, I'm not wearing gloves. I'd go barehanded if I had to. So you're supposed to find the hole and like you're supposed to get in the water and like stick your hand in the hole, right? Okay, you follow me. This is a bad idea for anyone listening out there. Okay, I'm gonna, tr- but I want to try it though. How dumb am I? Okay, <clears throat> I want to try it though. So I stick my hand in the hole and this fish, pray to God, it's a fish, comes up there and swallows your arm and you're supposed to like pick it up. You're like, yeah, and then Bubba's on the boat, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, all this other stuff. I mean, it's not. All- you know, it's like Coach O from LSU, man. He's right there. He's with you. Yeah, 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 you know? And you like, pull up this huge fish, man. These monstrous fish that you can pull out. My luck, I do it. i like, i got a fish. And then it's like a big water moth over there. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know? <clears throat> that would be my luck. If you can imagine that happening, that would be me. It would either be that or snapping turtle. Okay? And then I just lift up my arm and would be there. I'm like, oh, a snapping turtle. So take me to the hospital. Okay, never mind. So <clears throat> that's what I'm thinking about with this giant fish that comes up. Of course it's got to be a fish big enough to swallow a man. But when I've heard I've heard stories today like, hey, in the Coosa River, they got catfish the size of Volkswagens in there. You know, that's what I think about when a fish that size comes up and has to swallow this man and take him where he needs to go. Now I don't know about you. But when you're fishing and stuff, you get something of fish is just awful. Smell it. You know, I went deep sea fishing one time, and I pulled up the ugliest fish I've ever seen in my life out of that water. Like, all these people got these amber jacks here, all cute, you know, like, oh, I got this red fish, you know. I pull up this, like, black fish, man, and this is like, has like one tooth hanging out and stuff. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what is this? They're like, don't touch the fins, it would poke you I'm my, what type of fish is this? And it's like, I don't know, I was like, oh, my god. You know, it's disgusting. <laughs> this ugly little fish I brought out, it's like, golly. You know, that's what I'm thinking about. This man is stuck in a fish like that. The Bible uses the word fish. This ain't a whale like Pinocchio and Geppetto's just hanging, hanging out in a whale's mouth. No, this is a fish that swallowed this man up. And you know fish, man, you would leave them out in the hot sun or something while they smell bad. Imagine this guy being in this thing. You know, he's just trapped in his stomach. It smells bad. Digestive juices are eating him up. You know, this is not a picture, a painted picture that you would use in VBS. No, this is, this is a real life thing right here. So Jonah promises the Lord in verse 9 that he will finish what he has started and he will go and declare salvation to Nineveh. Jonah thought salvation was his to give and if he could outrun God, then salvation would not come to Nineveh since he disliked the people. But in verse 9 we see Jonah declares salvation belongs to the Lord. That's the gospel in one sentence. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It's His to give. It is His. Nothing you can do could ever satisfy that. No amount of anything you could do. I went through all that big spill. There's nothing you can do to obtain salvation. Salvation is a gift from the Lord. All you'll have to do is realize that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and repent from your sins and follow Christ. For some people, that's a very hard thing to comprehend. For some people, it's hard to sit there and think, you know, a lot of people, I've heard people say, you know, well, you don't know the things I've done. You don't know the decisions I've made in my life, the things I've done, how I've wronged people and stuff. You know, you don't know the things that I've I've done in my life. And I say the same thing, but you don't know the things I've done in my life. Well, well, what I've done has got to be worse than you. It doesn't matter to God. We've all sinned. A sin is a sin is a sin is a sin. And you have dishonored God just as I have. I needed a Savior just as you did. A lot of people think that they have to clean themselves up before they come to God. God, you know, i got some stuff i got to work on before I come to you. God work on that. That's through the process of sanctification. He'll work on that for you. You know, some people say, you know, well, God, God you know, I just don't know about this whole God thing. Or some people will say, you know, I love God, but there's just some... <clears throat> Some things in my life that I've got to get right first, and all that—that doesn't work either. God's going to work on that for you. See, a lot of people too, when they become Christians and stuff, you—like I said before—we're not perfect beings. Once we become, like, uh, once we become Christians, what happens is is that it's a process of sanctification that we are—we are going through a process of becoming more and more like Christ. Every single day. We're reading more, we're praying more, we're getting with other people more who are like-minded, making disciples, and working together. It's a together thing. We've got to work on this together. I would sing that song from High School Musical, but I'm not going to do that to y'all. Okay? I'm all in this together. Yeah, I'm not doing that. So, and don't ask me why I know the words of that song either. Okay? I'm a man. Anyways. <clears throat> so, right here. In the depths of the ocean, God heard Jonah's cry. In the depths of our sin, God hears our cry of repentance. Psalms 139, 1-7. Psalms 139, 1-7 says this. <clears throat> Lord, I have, you have searched me and you have known me. You have you know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of my of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you are all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. and lofty and I'm unable to reach it. Where can I go? Here we go. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, there you are. If I make my bed in Sheol, there you are. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle in the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand shall hold on me. People think that they're too far. People think they got too many issues in their life. People think that there's so much commotion going on in their lives that all this stuff's happening that they have gotten away from God, and that and that they feel like God doesn't love them anymore. They feel like, you know, why would God want to use me? People feel like, you know, God, you, <clears throat> these battles I have, these struggles I have in my life, God, they're just... It's like they never seem to go away, God. And it's just... God, he's, God how can you love someone like me? God, I've asked for forgiveness time and time again. And yet... Yeah, I'm still here. I'm back at this place where I never thought I would be again. God, I'm so ashamed of things that I've I've done. God, the things that I've dealt with. And God, I just... I don't know if you could ever love me. God, I don't know if you could ever continue to love me. And that's where some people... Where some people are just at. Some people believe that they've gotten... To where they can go out of God's reach. And that is a lie. Amen? That is a lie. You have not gone too far. You have not gone too deep. The Bible said if I go to heaven, you're there. If I go down to Sheol, you're there. If I go to the eastern, more, more parts of the western horizon, God, you are there. Listen to me today. you don't take away anything you hear today, take away this bit of encouragement. You and I have done things in our lives that we probably never tell anyone else. But there is nothing that you have ever done in your life that you can escape God's love there is nothing that you've done. There's things that you may have said. You may feel guilty in that aspect. That's what the, the, the enemy uses is that guilt to say God doesn't love you. And then what happens is we try to put earthly limits on a holy love that we can't comprehend. We can't comprehend God's love. We try to put it in our own emotions, our fragile human emotions, saying this is what love looks like. And God says, your love looks like hatred compared to my love. And God wants to show you his love. God wants to show you his mercy. God wants to show you his grace. But yet we let the enemy defeat us and say, this can't be true. According to his word, it is true. And his word is true. Everything he says in this book is true. And there is no place you could ever get to where God can't hear your cry. last thing we're going to see here is our decision. Don't miss the point in this chapter in Jonah 2. The chapter is not about Jonah staying in the belly of the fish. This chapter is a picture of God rescuing sinners when they think they've gone too far to be saved. It's about how salvation is found in no other way but God. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Just as God showed mercy to a rebellious prophet, God shows mercy to our rebel hearts. You know, beauty can be found in this story. I don't know where you're thinking, like, how can beauty be found in the story about a guy almost drowning, getting swallowed up by a fish, staying in that stanky fish for about three days, and then, in the, verse 10 says, being uh, vomited up on the ground. Okay? Just imagine being thrown up by a fish. That'd be awful. Okay? How can you find beauty in that? Well, Matthew 12. We're going to go here real quick. Matthew 12, 39 through 41. <clears throat> I'm going to read it real quick. There's some describes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of a huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The men of Nineveh will stand up in judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at Jonah's preaching, and, and look, something greater than Jonah is here. Amen. Jesus is the greater Jonah. Jonah was disobedient, a rebel prophet running from God. And Jesus is the obedient prophet, serving God. So what does that mean for us? We continue to run from God's calling in our lives or be obedient to His will. As you see, that didn't work for Jonah. What's it going to take for God to do in your life to get your attention? See, I read that and I remember. I remember of a time when when I was struggling in my faith. I just had so much going on in my life. And all these things were happening to me. And stuff. And I was, I was getting in my car one day. And I was just praying. I was like, God, you know. I got all this stuff in my life. God, I got all these issues and stuff. And God, I, I want to be close to you, God. But I haven't, I haven't read. God, I haven't, I haven't prayed to you, Lord. And I'm just coming to you now. And God, what is it going to take? I said this. God, what is it going to take for you to get my attention? God, for me to be able to get back to where I need to be. So, God took it as a challenge. So, <clears throat> here I am driving to work one morning. You know, I don't know if you can tell or not, I'm kind of a big guy. So, I was like, hey, breakfast at Jack's, okay? I mean, if you want to get a chicken biscuit, you don't know Chick's, play to go Jack's, okay? I said it there, hate it. Anyways, so <clears throat> so I'm, on, I'm in Anderson. I'm on Noble Street. And I was like, man, I want a Jack's chicken biscuit. I'm going to cut right here on 19th Street and I'm going to go. Well, 19th Street, right there at the intersection, you used to have a red light there. So I look up, my light's green. I'm going to go. The guy beside me realizes that, hey, he don't care. He don't care if his light's red or not. Stop lights are just a suggestion, okay? So bam, boom, we hit each other right there. Total my car out and stuff. bust my head, got glass all in my hands and stuff. And I'm sitting there as I go to the hospital because I had to check before a concussion. And there's like, mm, you don't have one. It's like, because I got a hard head. Um, <clears throat> As I'm sitting there in bed at night, I'm sitting there thinking, and then it just hits me. Did I get your attention yet? Whew. I'll wake you up right there. What is it going to take for God to get the attention of you in your life? I don't know where you are in your life right now. As the group's coming up, you know, I don't know where you are in your life this morning. You know, for some people in here, they may, they may not have a relationship with Christ. And that is something you can take care of. That is something between you and God that you praying and repenting and trusting in Christ is how you obtain that. If you have any questions, you can ask me. You can ask Tucker. You can ask Stephen. any of the elders in the church. For some people in here, you know, we're like the, the rebel prophet. God is calling us to do stuff in life, and yet we're turning away from him. You know, some of us in here today probably haven't opened up our Bible all week. Might have been two weeks, whatever. You know, God wants to use you. God has a miraculous work that needs to be done on this earth while we're still here before we get to heaven. And God wants to use you. All you need to do is be obedient to Him. And say, God, I'm sorry. God, help me. God, strengthen me. God, encourage me this week. Whatever it is. Some people in here... Are Some people in here are obedient to Christ, but some people in here have family members who are lost. And just like, just like Jonah taking that word to Nineveh, God's asking you to take that word to them. And are you going to be obedient to do what God has called you to do? Like I said, I don't know where you're at today, but wherever you are, you can, sit, you can stay there and pray, or you can come down here and pray, whatever the case may be. Just let God work in your life. For some people have built up walls between them and God. Just break down those walls and let God work in your life.